Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Sally Hepworth. Sally is the New York Times bestselling author of seven novels, most recently The Soulmate. Her novel, The Mother-in-Law, 2019, has been optioned for a TV series by Hollywood actress and producer Amy Poehler. Drawing on the good, the bad, and the downright odd of human behavior, Sally writes incisively about family, relationships, and identity. Her domestic thriller novels are laced with quirky humor, sass, and a darkly charming tone. Sally's novels are available around the globe in English and have been translated into 20 languages. She has sold more than 1 million books worldwide. Sally lives in Melbourne, Australia with her husband and three children. Welcome, Sally. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. It's so fun. Sally and I just spent the last few minutes talking about the fact that we can see her entire wardrobe behind her because she's doing a remodel on her home, but also because Sally and I share a love, a sartorial love. Um, and um, I actually wore, it's so funny. I thought, I think of you in green, Sally, because of your, I think your author yes. photo. So I wore my green today. Also, I noticed it goes really well with, you know, it kind of ties with the book. So I try to like match it the does. cover. But, um, but yeah, but anyway, so Sally and I have been chatting about, um, and we're going to come back to that because I want to talk about the fun things you do on Instagram. But first, most importantly, tell us about your fabulous new book, which I devoured in like two days on spring break. Tell us about The Soulmate. Oh, well, thank you for that lovely introduction. And I need, I do need to warn listeners that if you hear snoring in the background, that's my dog. I'm in, I'm in a bit of a hectic setup here, as you say, surrounded by clothes and surrounded by my dog, but um, such is life. So The Soulmate is my newest book. And to anyone who has read any of my previous books, you'll know that I write about dysfunctional families. It's my favourite thing to write about. And so... I guess with this book, I explored the most dysfunctional of all relationships, and that is marriage. <laughs> so <laughs> there was there was endless fodder for this book. And uh, this book is about Pippa and Gabe, one married couple, and also about Max and Amanda. And the book kicks off when Pippa and Gabe, uh, who are living in a cliffside cottage that they have moved to about a year earlier, um, they are living there and they have discovered shortly after living moving in that it the cliff that the house is on is very popular among people who want to end their lives. And so much to their horror, people come there. And uh, the upside of that is that Gabe has found his life's calling in a way of going to talk these people off the ledge. And he's very successful at it. And in the year that they've lived there, seven people have come to the cliff and all seven have walked away. And in the first chapter of the book, the eighth person comes, a woman. And Pippa is watching Gabe talk to her through the window where she's making dinner for her children. And she notices that he's behaving a little bit strangely. He's a bit more animated than usual. And his hands are flying around. And when she is distracted for a moment, she turns away, 
looks back and the woman has gone over the cliff and Gabe's hands are sort of unusually placed, almost looking like he might have pushed her. So the book is about Gabe and Amanda and how they move forward from that. And it's also about, sorry, Gabe and Pippa. And it's also say, about wait. Amanda. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Not, this not is my hectic time. brain. Yes, I understand. Yes. Yeah, so it's about Gabe and Pippa and how they move mm. forward from there. And it's about Amanda who has gone over the cliff and is now dead and her relationship with Max, which is almost at opposite corners of uh, of the spectrum from Gabe and Pippa's very, you know, romantic, passionate relationship. Um, and and we look back over their marriage and, and then we see, of course, how the two marriages intertwine and what actually happened on the cliff that night. Yeah, it's so fun. And so let's talk about, let's unpack this a little bit. I love that you call the most dysfunctional relationship of all marriage, which most of us uh, in one way or another end up in. So, um, but your books are, yeah. you know, it's the younger wife, the mother-in-law, the good sister, that, that is totally your, your niche. Talk to us about what it is, like, you know, what, what so interests you about these, these relationships that makes it so fun to write books about? Well, there's just so much fodder, I think, in families. You only have to scratch the surface to find something about families. And they don't always end up murderous. That's my dog agreeing with me. Um, <laughs> but every family has got underlying tension. I remember when I had, my son was a little baby and I went to my mother's group and I sat down and I said, what's everyone doing for Christmas? And we went around, we're all there with our little babies and we went around the table and everyone went through telling a story about what they were dreading about Christmas and right. how, you know, right. Uncle Steve gets drunk and shouts at everyone or Jodie, their sister, doesn't cook and just comes there and eats everything and doesn't take part or how, you know, someone wants to buy gifts for everyone, someone wants to do a KK. And it occurred to me that this dynamic, it's not about usually one person being awful it's about this idea of you bring these people together with different personalities maybe different upbringings if we're taking the in-laws into account uh maybe different mental health concerns you know there is just so many differences and it's just a recipe for drama oh, and yeah. you know it's all it's almost like the medical world is just so rich, you know, with, with drama and high stakes for a writer or the, the law, you know, the legal field. And, and family for me just felt like this wonderful kind of untapped vein. It is. Of, of, you know, it, I'm it, never going to run out of stories. You're never going to run out of stories. And, and the thing that's so interesting about what you say, which is so true, is that we are kind of our worst when we are in those situations with the people that we kind of love the most and, and marriage is no exception, right? Yeah. We're, we're kind of, yeah. but when you put, even if we grew up together, like, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm the oldest of four and you put the four of us in a room um, and we suddenly are children again. And we, you know, we act out and yeah. somebody has to, you know, we just, we say stupid things and we're, and we treat each other like, like the children that we all were, you know, instead of being like, yeah. here we are as adults. Um, it is a you weird, regress. You, you yeah. regress. Yeah, you regress. And then, and marriage is so complicated in addition because it's like you're navigating your relationship with your spouse, their family, your family, mm -hmm. your children, 
it's um it's ripe with tension. Well, and I love I have to say I really enjoyed it. I was when when Amanda went over the cliff, I thought, oh no, I want to you know what's I want to learn about Amanda. And I loved that you you were in Amanda's point of view um as a dead woman. That was really fun. Uh, I'm so glad. I was so I didn't necessarily plan that. I wasn't sure what was going to happen with her. I thought maybe we will see her story through flashbacks, which we do. Yeah. Um, but to get her point of view from death uh, yeah. was a really interesting, fun challenge because, you know, I, I, like you, I've, I've written a number of books and you, you do try to, you know, try something new, but I didn't know if, if I would be able to pull it off, but I was happy with how, how it came together in the end. So one of the questions I have always have for authors, and I think is so interesting because I think we all kind of want to understand the process is, and this is just a natural segue, is the idea of how you, you know, start a book. Like what was the seed for this? And then are you, you know, do you plot out a book or are you sort of like, okay, where is the story taking me? That's like five questions in one. So, you know, <laughs> answer yeah, how you work in. <laughs> I'll do it in the way that I do it, which is all over the place. So let's start with inspiration. And uh, there were two little seeds that kind of were planted for this book. The first one was during lockdown here in Melbourne. And, and Melbourne had one of, if not the longest period of lockdowns in the world. Like more or less for two years, we were locked into our house you could leave just for an hour a day it was very very intense oh and my so gosh. as you can imagine yeah tensions were high alcohol oh consumption was oh, high you know yeah, it was yeah it, it was a very interesting time and uh I remember that I had I had three children who at the time my my two oldest were in um primary school elementary school and then um I had a three-year-old and the yeah, it was, it was a lot. And uh, <laughs> this thing, I noticed this thing was happening every day. So around the time, 9am is when kids start school um, here in Australia. Around 10 to 9, my kids would be looking for their passwords to log into online learning. And my, uh, my three-year-old would be getting out her, you know, Sharpie to, because she had a full-time job at just drawing on the walls when no one was listening um, and no one was watching her. And I had to jump on a live interview at 9am. And my husband at this time of day, every day would go missing, right? He would decide that this was the time that he needed to be mowing the lawn or talking to the mailman or just doing something that was a long way away from us. <laughs> okay, he's no, right, he's right. no dummy. <laughs> and so on this particular day, I went room to room looking for him because I needed to get on my call and I, you know, I needed him. He wasn't in the garden. He wasn't talking to the mailman. I finally found him in the garage, which is weird, right? Because we can't go anywhere. We've got no, uh, you know, nowhere to go. And the car is out of the garage and he is in there and he has set up a video camera and he is videoing himself practicing his golf swing. So he could then. It sounds like we're married <laughs> to the same man. That's so funny. <laughs> so he That's... could then superimpose it over a video of Tiger Woods playing golf and check out the angles of his swing. So that was the moment that I decided to write about marriage and murder. 
<laughs> if it hadn't happened earlier, it was bound to happen. I love it. I thought ah. this is going to be it. So, and I, and I remember walking away from that and going to my girlfriends, I, we had a WhatsApp group and texting them all because I like to stress test my ideas. And I messaged them and said, is anyone thinking about murdering their husbands? And the funny thing is this was, you know, 10 to nine, all my friends work, they've all got kids. Um, I thought, is this going to work out? And all of them within five seconds texting back, yes. And not only were they planning to kill their kids, uh, sorry, their, their husbands, but they knew exactly how they were going to do it. So I thought, yep, this book oh, is going to work. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that was, that was scene number one. Around the same time, I was flicking through the news and I read a story about a man who lived in Sydney and he had just passed away, but the story was in honour of him and the fact that he lived opposite a place called The Gap, which was in Sydney, that where people would go and, and take their lives. And he would go over to the cliff and he'd done so for 50 years and he would talk to them. And he was estimated to have saved up to 500 lives over the course of his life. But he also wow. lost some and he had yeah. some amazing stories about people that he'd sat with for hours and, and they had jumped. And it was just this extraordinary story. And you can see, even if I've just told you the premise, how those two things came together yeah. and yeah. kind of became what the book was about. And so from there, I kind of, I have these, these things, I put them together and I think, who are the characters? What could happen? And I plot in so far as the main turning points. You know, I, I do have an ending in mind, okay. um, but it can always change. And I know where the book kicks off. I know a couple of twists and turns. I know the worst moment and I kind of know the resolution. And that's the point where I'll share it with my publisher and I'll say, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. And we might have a conversation. We might, you know, make a few changes. We might add a point of view. Uh, and then off I go. I, I use a, a program called Scrivener. Yeah, me too. Um, which a lot of, yeah. Yeah, which a lot of it's writers. It's amazing. Are. I love it. Some writers, will. it's almost like the devil. They say, no, Microsoft Word or, or handwritten. <laughs> no. But we're all different. Yes, of course, and, right. Uh, yeah, so I, I use that and I I guess I consider myself to be an unsuccessful plotter in the sense that I do like to think about the book and have a plan, but I rarely stick to my plan. So unlike my friend Jane Harper, who's a, an Australian, mm -hmm. Australian author here, very successful plotter. She spends months working out each individual scene. She writes wow. the book. It's fabulous. I plot then I write the book and have to do 50 rewrites. So yeah, unsuccessful plotter over here. Yeah. I'm sort of up, up your alley. And I, and I do think like, how do you become a successful plotter? But uh, I think it is just really like what works. Right. And unfortunately, you yeah. know, I've, I mean, I've talked to, I, I just, I've talked to from one, you know, that across the spectrum, hugely successful yeah. authors like yourself who do it every which way. So there's probably not a right way, but it does sometimes seems like there's an easier, less painful way, but it's, it's, um, I'm constantly looking for it and I have not found it yet, but if there is anyone wanting to learn about how to be a successful plotter, Jane Harper actually has got a Ted talk on how she does it. Oh, um, interesting. But, so Google that, but as you say, I think 
if you're listening to it and your body's saying, no, this feels wrong, this isn't right mm-hmm. for me, listen to that. Because, yeah, as you say, some of my favourite authors don't plot and then some of my other favourite authors do. So it's, of it's so individual. Yeah, it's so individual. So you kind of, and then are you, I mean, aside from the pandemic when clearly you couldn't, I mean, God, I did not realise that Melbourne was shut for, I thought California was bad. Uh, my sister's there mm-hmm. and they were, you know, Montana where we were like, yeah, it was not. We, don't, we didn't take it. Yeah, we didn't take it very seriously. We have a, you know, a government here that's like, sure, go out. But anyway, but um, <laughs> well, but um, normally, aside from pandemic times, are you a sort of like my workday is this to this? The kids go to school or you know preschool or you know, and then I work yeah. those hours. Or are you somebody who's like, you know, is it hard to force that? I, I think one of the things that people who aren't writing think about is how do you sort of get the work done right when mm-hmm. life is chaotic and it's not exactly like a oh, I can if I add up these numbers I'm done for the day yeah no it's it's not it's not it's not creating widgets no no <laughs> but uh but there are practical things that that there is the magic but there's also the work and the the career and the business as it were um which again is not that sexy to say but um but it's true look I I am a full-time author my husband is the stay-at-home parent um and that was a probably about two years ago we made that shift from him working full-time as both of us working full-time where then I would be kind of confined by the school day or the preschool yeah. day more or less with the help of um, a couple of babysitters uh, but now I'm very much well I was going to say I'm very much eight till six Monday to Friday but that's a, that's not actually true it's so with bringing out a book a year the year is so varied you know that the probably about three months of the year I spend actually in the zone of typing and working on that draft or editing that draft but so much of the year, I tour twice a year, and then my days are spent, you know, doing these kinds right. of interviews, and um, or, or even just, you know, my I'm going to the states on Saturday, so I spend my work day packing and trying to figure out what I'm going to wear, and you know, I'm going to the bank later to get American dollars because last year when I was there, my card stopped working, and I was in Greenville, South Carolina, begging for cash. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, help, I me. Have to go. help me get I to know, the next place just... oh my god I know I had some readers on Instagram who helped me out so this year I'm going back there and I with a wad of cash to like pay people back I'm going to make it rain with my American dollars um but all this to say that it is it's each day is pretty varied apart from the part of the year where I'm writing the book that's that's kind of a the most consistent part um and and the times that I'm touring but essentially it's absolutely a full-time job or every one of those 40 hours probably plus another 20 between you know evening events and and writers festivals and uh you know doing things for other authors because we rely on each other to interview each other and to do these podcast interviews and read and blurb and you know it's not just a career it's a life isn't it yeah it is. And I, I, I feel really fortunate. I think it's, I think having figured it out, right. We're so lucky to get to do it. It is, 
it is literally my favorite thing, which is where killer women came from. It's like, I am so mm -hmm. curious about the lives of other female authors because it's, it is, it's not just a job. It is absolutely a life. Um, and it's a lovely one. So I want to go back because, you know, of course the, the idea of these, of, you know, of the dysfunction in families, but also one of the things that come, that is a huge part of this book um, and all your stories really, and actually most of our stories, but is the idea of sort of like how we hide some parts of ourselves, right? How we, yeah. you know, even those that we are absolutely the closest to, and we talk about, of course, marriage being that, usually that relationship is how really do we know, how well do we really know the people that we live with, that we love, you know, and, you know, what do you think? Sally, can we ever really know someone? Yeah, it's such an interesting question. And I've been spending lots of time thinking about this lately in my own therapy as well, is that, you know, we're really, we're really restricted to how well we know ourselves, aren't we? Because how can we share ourselves if we don't even know ourselves? And I, and I don't just mean me, I mean, you know, yeah. all of our partners, ourselves, our our parents, our children, we all come to relationships, even children, you know, that with our own kind of parameters around what we choose to reveal, what we think is a fair thing to say, what we feel shame around. And, uh, and I think that there's no surprise that kind of usually the older we get the better we get to know each other the more stuff sorry the better we get to know ourselves the more stuff we've been through the more honest we are I mean you'll never yeah. meet a more honest person than a woman in her 40s don't you think <laughs> except <laughs> I'm gonna say maybe a woman in her 50s um oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I do I feel I I absolutely feel that and it's it's refreshing. I love, this is another reason I love women. The more, the older I get, the more I'm like, you know, that's who yeah. tells it like it is. We've been through the fire. Yes. We've had the babies. We've raised the babies. We've, you know, managed, you know, all of these things and balanced like a crazy person, all these aspects of our lives. But I do think it, that is a really interesting thing. And I think you're totally right. And who teaches us to know ourselves? Like there's, you know, we aren't really raised in anywhere, I mean, anywhere that I can think of, unless, you know, you maybe you're a monk to kind of really reflect on, you know, who we are. We're encouraged exactly. to sort of play along, right? Be part of the group, go do what they're doing, you know, hide yes. in the, hide in the, with everybody else and don't stand out too much. And, and how to have a relationship, you know, that, that is again, something and maybe we are meant to muddle through and figure it out through trial and error. But I, I think there's no surprise that some of the most authentic relationships, sorry guys, if you're listening, but is between women in their forties and fifties and sixties and seventies. I mean, and they just get better. And, and, and this is a segue because I know that the question was more around, you know, secrets and things, but, but I do think, you know what I like to do in my in my writing in my fiction is is not always have a villain and a hero or at least a two dimensional villain. It's more about people who are unwittingly, you know, a good person who does bad or 
a person who is unwittingly hurting other people and themselves because they're not being authentic. They're not living their true life. They're not saying what they think. And so in that way, yeah, I guess, I guess my books follow what's on my mind. And I think that's true for all authors, isn't it? We we write about what interests us. And what, and where we are in life. Right. And I think part of what you're talking about is really, it's fear. It's we, we are, we in, we internalize this fear about if I show this real part of myself, if I, if I open myself up to that, people are going to reject me or I'm going to be exposing some, you know, some ugly underside that if I don't show it, everyone will just think that I'm perfect. No one will ever know, you know, what a hot mess is inside. So I, I, I agree. I think it's so, and I do think the older we get, the more this sort of cracks open for us. And I think it's fascinating. I think that's, that's one of the wonderful things about Soulmate is there isn't necessarily uh, right. And all your books, there's not really, there's not like a villain. There is somebody who is responsible for something bad, but it's like how yeah. they're responsible for it. Isn't like they were robbing, you know, grand theft auto and they killed somebody with a gun. It's much more nuanced, right? Yeah. Because I, as the writer have to understand them, you know, even if it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make what they did uh, understandable or, or forgivable, but I have to understand why, even with some of my more, uh, you know, more hated characters, for example, uh, Rose in The Good Sister, which is a couple of books ago, was fairly, well, actually, I don't want to give anything away, but I had to understand in my right. own mind why she was doing the things she was doing and and put that on the page a little bit because that's, I mean, and this is where we all start, isn't it? As writers, we're interested in people, we're interested in what makes them tick yes. and uh, we, we want to know, I mean, for me, particularly family drama, whenever anyone is talking about disagreement with their mother-in-law or what's happening at Christmas or, you know, right. I can almost always peel it back. I mean, first of all, it's hugely entertaining and often very funny. I got a fantastic story from my sister-in-law about, and this was from the other side of the family, a Christmas ham that one of her sisters had brought that was not the correct ham. And the ham drama just escalated throughout the afternoon, culminating in someone throwing the ham at someone else and breaking their nose and they ended up in hospital. And it was the best story I've ever heard. I was crying with laughter. It was all of the things about families and Christmas and the pressure of it being perfect that was that was magnificent. And, and you, you can't use that. You can't even use that because nobody would believe that really happened. But that is like truth is stranger than fiction. That is so honestly. It truly is. But also when you unpick, maybe not the ham story, but when you unpick even what yes. seems like the most dramatic of disagreements where it really seems like the mother-in-law is awful and the daughter-in-law is the victim there's trying to step into the other person's shoes you can almost always get to what's actually gone or at least have a theory to what's actually gone on and that's where you hit that spot of understanding people and and being empathetic well nothing is as simple as it looks right there's no like evil stepmother and you know I mean these are not Cinderella stories right they are real people and everybody's you know impacted and I think you know I think about my 
mother-in-law is, is past now. But I think about, and now that I have a grown son, my kids are 21 and 23 and my son is 21. And I think about when he brings home, you know, a, he's my guy. I mean, he's 21. So, you know, he's not my little guy, but he's still my guy. And I think about how hard it will be when he brings home somebody that he is, you know, how I'm going to look at her and be like, are you good enough for my sweet boy? And you know, it's, yeah. you can see how a mother looks at how my mother-in-law looked at me and thought, I'm not sure you're good enough. You know, it's, you can see how we, all those layers are so complicated. Oh my goodness. And also with a, with a son, and I have a son as well, and I have all of your fears and, and because we know as well that really the, if, it, if it's a wife, if he finds a, you know, I, I believe it would be a wife for him so influential uh, mm -hmm. in creating new you know I think my daughters will probably take a lot of our family traits and bring them into their families mm -hmm. that they create whereas right. my son in the same way that my husband is thank goodness is very influenced by me and so right. I create the I create the way that we run this house and uh and that will be true of my daughter-in-law one day if that's how it works and right. that's intimidating because course, what if right. she does things differently what does that mean about the way I did things was it not okay um we lose know, control like it's just we lose control and that is super yeah. and I agree my daughter I really and she'll will be closer I know she'll stay in touch her husband you know I think they'll it'll be a husband for her and a, a wife for my son they're not gonna he's not going to be like, well, you can't talk to your mother. Your mother's so difficult, but my son's wife yeah. might feel that way. And, you know, I'm not saying she'd be wrong, but I would no. be like, what? I'm such a great mom. What do you mean? I'm difficult. It would be so hurtful, but also we are supposed to train them in the way of choosing their wife's side as well. That's what is yeah. the most healthy for them. Right. I don't know if I can do that. I know, I know it is a real, it's just a, it's a mind bender. And I, it is so funny to hear you yeah. say, cause it, these are the thoughts I have exactly, which is that, you know, my yeah. husband, he has to listen to me. I'm, <laughs> I'm in charge around here, but, um, obviously but yeah, someday there will be, it'll be different. And that is going to be, yeah, that is going to be, is your son the baby? No, he's the oldest. No, he's my oldest and he's just most precious boy and, and he's on the spectrum and he's so smart and he's so um wise and you know like he really is just the love of my life so it better be a bloody special person or we may see a bit of murder going on <laughs> you're gonna write no. you're gonna write you're gonna write a different story at that point right isn't that I'm sure there'll be, be a part of it different I'm not story about uh -huh. mothers-in-law the mother it's a bit scary that in yeah yeah, in my book, the mother-in-law, the mother-in-law ended up dead, which really doesn't bode well. Not for yeah, but Might this would be a different. It. Yeah, the, exactly. The this the mother-in-law. Yeah. Oh boy. But then you have you probably <laughs> you may need to talk to her before you write that book too, because that could cause yeah. that could cause some problems. So I love that. I think that is so. <laughs> I think that is so interesting. I think that all those things are so true, and and we are all so complicated about like. Of course, we want our children to be independent and to. And to choose partners who, you know, push them and love them. And, but also we're like, well, wait, don't leave me in the dust. I'm your mother, right? It's, yeah, it is. And one of the things that I see that my own mum has been so successful at and why she is beloved by all three of her, uh, her son-in-law and her daughters-in-law 
is that she has always encouraged us to choose our partner over her. And, you know, even when I know that it's been difficult, she's never spoken badly about any of them, even when she probably wanted to. And she has never, if we've confided something in her, she's never held that against the partner, uh, which I also think would be a really difficult thing. So hard, Um, right? But I see the, the peace that gives me with her in knowing that I can tell her the truth. Like I just, I see how uh, much freedom that's given me. And I do want that for my kids, even if yeah. it will be hard. It will be hard. I But let's be honest, how much of this child rearing stuff has been cake? Yeah. Not much, right? Yeah, I know. Where's the, where's the cake? I'm still where's waiting my, for my cake. That's right. Where's my God's And the village, cake? you know, when's the village showing up? Oh, I was I'm promised a village. I want the village too. Actually, I was always, I was thinking that when I remember when my kids were really little, I was thinking what we really need here is like a center home and then little cabins and everybody brings their children to the center and then we take turns escaping to our cabins. That is 100% what we should have done, right? Like a red tent sort of thing. Do you know that that's kind of what we're doing in this? So I've just moved into this house. It's 150 years old it and it's mostly falling down and I'm pretty sure it has termites but the good thing that it has is that it has an old shed in the backyard which I'm converting into a beautiful writer's cabin Mm. and I just got this copy of um I don't know where it is of Virginia Woolf's A Room of One's Own which I'm in a a cover to put on the wall yeah my husband is building his own shed as a bit of a man cave um which is going to be on the other side of the house and then there was already this little cubby house uh, that was there and we're, we're painting it and putting like nice floors in it to match my cabin. So there's going to be three cabins plus a house on this one block of land. And so it's pretty much like we all just live in our own homes. I was going to say, Sally, <laughs> can, I, can I rent the extra cabin for, I'm just going to come and stay with you for a month. That sounds amazing. Yes, that is You're a great so idea. You're so welcome to it's a compound but I just I could have used that yes a few years ago when my kids were babies I think it's a genius idea well and you had be, I mean my babies were born sort of in a, in a different craziness which was you know right around 9-11 but your babies oh. you know having young young kids during the pandemic like I think about all the moms that did that and I I honestly do not know how you guys did it and survived and that you're still married is like Amir, I mean, it's really, congratulations. That feels like that's an extra decade of marriage right there. You got to give yourself credit. It, you know, my girlfriends and I had this this WhatsApp group that I texted them. We changed the name to uh, Husband Killers. And I think it's still called that now. And, and we would write in there the ways that we were fantasizing about murdering our husbands and what for and they were the most beautiful petty reasons you know um you know because he walked down the path very loudly um you know and his boots were clicking or um you know Stu was breathing very loudly the other day and we always talk about we've all emerged still married happily married and we have that whatsapp group to thank for it. So I think sometimes being able to vicariously live out your fantasies through text messages or through writing books about murder, um, that's another gift of being a writer. (laughs) It's very helpful. It is very helpful. It does really, yeah, it does really sort of 
diminish the need to murder somebody in real life, which I think is, it's hugely helpful. So let's talk about your super fun. Your Instagram is really, um, is, is so fun. And I, one of the things you're starting to do, which is this three things I'm loving. So tell, um, yes. our, tell us, and I don't know if people follow you. I think you're just Sally Hepworth on Instagram, right? Absolutely. Yes. Please. Yeah. So tell yes. people about that because that's super fun. And it's it's fun to, you know, our lives are so like once a year, there's a book. And so you have like, you know, two months of material around the book, around the book, around the book. And then what do we do for the other 10 months? So tell people, I think it's so fun. Well, I, I do a lot of different things that are, you know, <laughs> I laughed recently because someone said, what's your Instagram strategy? And I thought, you don't know me very well. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very hectic and, but I, I do have a lot of really amusing things happening around me, always do, between my three kids, my husband, who is the stay-at-home parent and he's very funny and is always doing strange things. We have builders in our backyard. I find it really um, easy to just take a snapshot of something and post it and not think about it too much, which I think is the key to actually having a really authentic page. Um, Or ask for an, you know, if I'm having an argument with someone about something, you know, an argument, um, I might put, you know, what do people say? Should, you know, this be blue or green? And it was such a lifesaver for me to have that during the pandemic, to have that human connection. Uh, I loved that. And so now it has been something, Instagram doesn't take up very much of my time at all. Writing is my job. That is where my focus is. But I do, I love to, to connect with people like that. So three things I'm loving, it often is just about things that, Um, It's often there's a book because I'm lucky enough, you know, to be sent books. And if there's a book I'm loving, people love book recommendations. I love sharing them. That's a no-brainer. These rings, which I, um, this is just an example, but these were sent to me and they're so pretty, but what they are is they're fidgets and I have ADHD. And so I'm always looking for fidgets. So this one is a, is a spinner and this one People, if they're listening, won't be able to know, but it's, it's like an abacus. And and so little oh things God. like that that people send me um, because they knew that I had ADHD and, and it's um, just a fun thing because it's on my finger. I can have it anywhere yeah. I go. Um, I love to share those, particularly if they are a small business run by women. That's my passion. Yes. And, and yes. they don't have a big marketing budget. Right. Um, I love to lift those women up and, and to, to share those things um and fashion as I said is such a passion Mm -hmm. of mine and I love to kind of I love to look at what at people saying oh this is what I'm wearing today or outfit of the day Mm -hmm. and so what I like to see I do and as a as an author like I remember I think it was my mum who doesn't understand social media at all she said I don't I really like your Instagram I really like seeing what you're wearing but I don't understand you're an author. Right, right. <laughs> and I, I mum, you know, I'm really not thinking about it. Um, and and maybe if I'd thought about it too hard, I would have tried to have a strategy and I would have yeah, done it differently. Yeah, yeah, But whether I got lucky or um, if I do feel like the secret to it, A, not being too much trouble and B, really having, you know, got some traction and having an authentic connection is just not thinking about it too hard 
give the reader who you are because in a sense as an author mm-hmm. they're getting you when they read your books and right they probably like they probably like you if they like your books and so you give them a little bit more of yourself right probably like that too that's authentic I mean that's the and also the thing you do really really well is humor I mean Sally the, your books are <laughs> there's I mean there's there's bits of humor in your books but your books are I wouldn't say they're funny but you as a person are fun you know you have a great personality and it's fun and I think for readers and I you know um I mean I remember so my first book came out when I was 29 which is a, a few years ago and people I remember there being like how do you write such dark stuff you're so sweet looking and I, I always took a little offense I'm like would you have said that to Michael Connolly if he was sitting beside me but yeah. um because he's sweet looking too but he's not sweet yeah. right um but the whole idea was that it gives you it there is of course there's this all these layers of us that are fun for people to get to know and clearly I might look sweet but you know I'm not <laughs> I have a lot of very dark thoughts yeah and that's um sweet it's looking people are the most dangerous of all <laughs> that's right that's totally right that's how I've gotten away with everything I've gotten away with for the last however many years that's so fun well it's super fun to follow you I mean I think that is uh and you are about to go on tour you said Saturday um and this is actually yeah. gonna um our um tell listeners where to find where you're gonna be um because you are coming to the states yeah. here right around April 1st it sounds like yes I fly out on April 1st and arrive on April 1st in the miracle that is uh you know time travel but uh I so I'll be going you can go on Instagram for the full list of events but I'll be in Boston I'll be in Raleigh South Carolina Greenville South Carolina uh where will I be Atlanta um I'll be in um Houston I will be in St Louis Cleveland Scottsdale, Arizona, and mm-hmm. uh, Santa Monica. Yeah, you're hitting so. a lot of the really great big um, mystery suspense bookstores. I can tell already. Murder by the Book and Poison Pen yes. in, in Arizona, all those fun yeah. ones. Well, that's exciting. Um, and it, it sounds like it, you're going to, you're plotting out right now what you're going to bring in terms of clothes. And I had told, listeners won't won't know this, but viewers will will know that I wore my green today because Sally um her fabulous author photo which I don't have in this do I have it in this copy of my book oh yes I do I love this I was like there she is in her green and I was like I'm just gonna and I love it you're a um yeah what is the word for clothes lover something file we need a word for that there must be one but fashionista um, yeah we're fashionistas I think but I love this and I um I will look forward to, to um, seeing all your fun outfits um, on your tour. I, it doesn't sound like you're coming to Montana, which I completely understand, even though I'm desperately disappointed. I wish. I, I, I'll i start a campaign. For next there you time. go. There's lots of places that um, that people are saying, mm. oh, you're not coming here. I'm like, sorry. I, don't, I just How, don't yeah. want to send. But. I can't believe you're not taking control and going to every single place, Sally. That's outrageous. <laughs> there are readers who want to see you in every single place. Can you imagine? Oh, you're going to be, it doesn't exhaust you the whole, I mean, I, I do a three-day conference and I'm spent. Oh yeah. I, I can barely even say my own name by the end and then throw in the um, that my card, my bank card stopped working pretty much every place that I go, even though I've told the bank in advance. But, you know, it's it's like you said earlier, 
it's hard work what we do and it's so many things that we never understood that it would be when we started writing a novel and we thought it was for introverts and then we realised there was social media and touring and and all of these different um, things that we need to be. But we're so lucky to be able to oh. do it for a job and, and when I stop being tired and think I am in Atlanta or I am in, mm-hmm. you know, I'm travelling the world on a book tour, I just, you know, you can't, divorce that from thinking Mm -mm. this is just amazing and I'm gonna you know I'm gonna suck the marrow out of it that's what yes exactly and then you come home and you can be an introvert for a while again right I mean that's the I mean it is like heaven yes will it be done when you get home not quite I hope so it's looking pretty good now I've been putting up updates on my Instagram so if anyone wants to see how it's looking we'll go and and check it out that's so exciting I love that idea I like a little a house for um yeah for writing I just have a basement but I I do I, I think I just need a locking oh, door down here um and yeah. just be like it's also there's a wine um the wine is here so I feel like this is my also my Armageddon spot. there's a shower there's <laughs> the wine I mean really what else do I need? I got water and wine I love uh, it I think, no yeah I think no I'm, canned goods no one needs those no no water That's wine a and point. a shower Wine in a shower. I mean, it may not be a very long Armageddon for me, but it'll be a fun one, right? Short and sweet. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go put that stuff in my cabin. (laughs) Yeah, you you should. You need to have a little, a wine, at least a little wine flow in there. Okay. So, um, and and I almost hate asking this question. I always ask it. And I always feel like, you know, it's like, here we are, like we're celebrating the soulmate and like every other reader of yours on the planet. I'm like, okay, Sally, what's next? What What's are you next? working on? You're like, oh, can I, I don't just hate enjoy this? that question. Oh, good. Because I have just submitted my next book. So if you ask me what's after that, then I'll hate you. No. But, uh, no. The next book is about foster, foster sisters. So sisters who grew up together in foster care. Um, so still about that familial relationships, dysfunctional relationships and uh, but really, I wanted to explore the role of biology. You know, does it, is it nature yes. nurture? Because these girls yeah. grew up together, even though they're not biological sisters. And it is set around a body that's discovered under the country foster home that they grew up at. Uh, and, you know, everyone understood that their upbringing was idyllic. And when the body is found, they have to to go back and uh, really they start to look at how idyllic it actually was. That is fabulous. Well, that sounds like an incredible premise. Is it called The Sisters, The Foster Sisters? Have you got a title for it? It's it's currently called Darling Girls. Oh, I love that. That's a fabulous title. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, I wish I was going to see you on tour. Um, And sometime you'll have to plan your tour around one of our conferences like Thriller Fest in, in New York is so fun. Um, oh, it's too close. What time of year is Thriller Fest? It's always the last weekend of May, first weekend of June. So you're just a smidge mm. too early for it. So I'll try and keep pushing back the day. There you go. Just so be I'll late. I'm late again. I'm late. I need to get, can I'm we late. have it come out mid-May? Exactly. Um. Well, and congratulations on Book of the Month Club. That was super fun to see. Thank you. That was, I was like, there it is. Yeah. I love Book of the Month. I'm so sad we don't have it in Australia, but I look at them every month to see what they do. Because I would buy the box. I mean, this, and my friend and I are both obsessed. And so, 
you know, that was a big deal for me. I mean, I know it's a big deal. It, everyone, it's a big and, deal, yes. It was, uh, yeah, that was a really exciting moment oh, for me. So, so exciting. And I'm sorry you don't have it. I actually have two subscriptions. That's so funny. Because sometimes I like mm -hmm. to buy, yeah, sometimes I want two books. So I have one in my name and one in my husband's name. And oftentimes I, come, I get four books a month. I know it's, it's, I mean, I have the, unfortunately the, the stock in my bedroom is getting a little out of control because, you know, there's not time to read oh. them all, but I, I do. I love it. I know. How can we get them to I'm you? going not... there when I'm in New York. I'm going to speak to them about getting an Australian distribution arm <gasps> with the same titles, but like, it's got to happen. I'm going to work on it. You I have Sally... precisely no pull. Exactly. <laughs> Sally, you, I have a hundred percent faith in you. I think you can just wear a dazzling <laughs> outfit and get this done. Get it done. I'm sure there's that'll, a lot of Australians who will be happy. I think so. I hope that, that they'll probably rue the day that they chose the soulmate to go on their list. <laughs> no, but there's a huge business opportunity. Try. It's a missed opportunity for them. Yes. So I do feel like that's, yes. that is really hard. And I think it's, I mean, I, yeah, I think that's something you, I like it. I go solve that problem because that is absolutely right. And I feel yeah. now spoiled beyond belief that I not only have one book of the month club subscription, but two, and I, that's just, hmm. But anyway, I'm a lucky girl. We're lucky women. Don't rub well, this, <laughs> I know. Sorry, I'll stop talking about it. Um, this was so fun. <laughs> Sally, you are, this I hope we are so past, um, cross in person so we can chat about being women of a certain age um, and, um, and <laughs> all the wonderful topic. things. But in the meantime, um, everybody, this is out um, April, tell me. Fourth. Okay, April 4th. This is out on April 4th and... It's another fabulous book by Sally Hepworth, who is just hitting them out of the park. So have a wonderful tour. Thank you. Thank you for joining me so much. Everybody, Sally Hepworth. My pleasure. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you so much.